If you're able to remain standing, please remain standing and take your copies of God's Word and turn to 1 Corinthians 16. First Corinthians 16, we'll begin our reading at verse 19 and read to the end of the book, verse 24. Hear now the word of God, it is infallible, it is inerrant, it is God speaking to us, so let us pay close attention. The churches of Asia send you greetings, Aquila and Prissa together with the church and their house. Send you hearty greetings in the Lord. All the brothers send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Our Lord, come. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. The grass withers and the flower fades away, but the word of our God endures forever. You may be seated. Last Sunday evening, we looked at verses 10 through 18 of 1 Corinthians 16, and we heard Paul tell us certain things concerning Timothy and Apollos, how Paul desired to send Timothy. And as Timothy came to the church of Corinth, that they would help him as he would come and check up on them. He wrote concerning Apollos, how Paul had strongly urged Apollos to come and to visit with them, but the time was not yet right. We then heard a call to action. Paul called the church of Corinth to be on the alert, to stand firm in the faith, to act like men, to be strong, and to let all that they did or to do to be done in love. And finally, last week, we heard a call to subjection in the church. How Paul called the church to be subject to, to such as these, such as Stephanus and his family, a fellow worker and laborer. And so tonight we finish up this letter written by Paul, or at least the first letter written by Paul to the church at Corinth. Now, if you've been here the whole time or most of the time, you know this. Paul has been very hard on the church. Now we know why the church of Corinth had many problems that needed to be corrected. And if these problems were not corrected, there was a real danger that the church would continue to drift and eventually cease being a true church of Jesus Christ. And there are times in every, or in the life of every church that this is true. There are times where we begin to coast in the faith instead of contending 
for the faith. There are times when we might begin to compromise with the world instead of standing on the Word of God. There are times when we may begin to pervert worship, believing this will draw bigger crowds instead of pleasing the one whom we worship, the one true God. And so we know Paul has said many hard things to the church, but now as he closes this letter, he reminds the church of why he was so hard on them. And it's the same reason or the same theme of this whole letter. It is because Paul loved them. And so there are two things I want us to to see tonight in this text. First of all, those final greetings that Paul sends, not just for himself, but from others as well. And we hear of those greetings in verses 19 through 21. In verse 19, the churches of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Prissa, together with the church in their house, send you hearty greetings in the Lord. Now, Asia is the Roman province of that name. Roughly the western third of what we now call Asia Minor. And notice that Paul sends greetings from the churches of that region. Notice how far the gospel has traveled in the first century. How the word of God has went forth. And we know why there was persecution in Jerusalem and Israel. We see that in the book of Acts, don't we? When when Jesus told his apostles that they would begin to preach where? In Jerusalem and then Judea and Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. And that persecution that the apostles felt and experienced there that we see in the book of Acts drove them to other places. And now by this time there are churches in Asia Minor. And those churches send greetings to the church of Corinth. But not just that, there is Aquila and Prissa or Priscilla as we may know her. They have a church in their house and and that church also sends greetings, but they send hearty greetings in the Lord. Now, what do we know of this couple? Well, we know that Aquila was a Jew originally from Pontus and he had evidently settled in Rome. But when the emperor Claudius expelled all the Jews from Rome, he and his wife Priscilla, they, they wound up in Corinth. When Paul first came to Corinth, He lodged and worked with them. And evidently they used their home in the service of the Lord. They had a church in their house when they were in Rome, just as they did at Corinth. And we know also that that this man and his wife, they were courageous. Paul tells us in Romans 16 and verse 4 that they risked their lives for Paul. We do not know the details of that, but Paul tells us they risked their very lives for him. As we learned last week, this couple instructed Apollos in the correct understanding of the faith. And so Paul says this couple as well as the church send to you hearty greetings in the Lord Jesus. 
But then in verse 20, we hear of all the brothers sending greetings. Now, we do not know who these brothers are. The expression is comprehensive. Paul may just be saying all the brothers who know of you send you greetings. The church of Corinth may well have known to whom Paul was speaking of or referring to. But we know that these were brothers and sisters in Christ. And they sent greetings to the church of Corinth. Now we don't see much of this in our settings, but we usually have greetings sent to us when another pastor may come and preach. He will bring greetings from wherever he comes from. You see that a lot at General Assembly level, especially when missionaries come and they bring greetings from the church of, a, of another country and they, they bring those greetings in the Lord Jesus. And so all these greetings come to the church. And then notice what Paul says, greet one another with a holy kiss. Now this is a strange thing to us. But it was not in the ancient world. In the ancient world, the kiss was a common sign of affection, not only between men and women, but also for people of the same gender. And this type of kiss would have been on the cheek or, or the forehead, and it signified what maybe a warm embrace signifies today. Now it is called a holy kiss by Paul because the outward manifestation of the bond that exists between Christians is special and it is holy. That bond that exists between each one of us tonight is a special bond, as I've reminded us many times over, many times it's a closer bond than we have with our, our blood relatives because they know not Christ. It is a holy bond. And it's interesting that Paul gives this injunction on four different occasions. In Romans 16 and verse 6, he says the same as here in 1 Corinthians 16. In 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 12. And in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 26. And so Paul is saying this holy kiss is important in the life of the church. This is how you are to greet your brother our sister in the Lord. Now, does that mean we should all give a holy kiss? Well, maybe we should. But at least we should be very regular in our use of a holy hug. We're not to be distant from fellow believers. And so Paul says, because of our relationship with one another in and through Christ, we are to greet one another in a holy way. But then in verse 21, Paul, sa Paul says, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. You see, it was Paul's custom to dictate his epistles and someone else would write them. Again, this was common in the ancient world, people wanted to, to write a letter. They would use a scribe in the same way we might use a keyboard today. We type it out, but it's not written by our own hand. But here, 
Paul says, I write these words with my own hand. Now, why is that? Because it is a, a mark of authenticity that this letter is genuine. All the rest of this letter would be in a different handwriting. And now Paul says, I write this greeting with my own hand. And so Paul makes it very clear to the church that this is his letter, his first letter to the church of Corinth. But then second of all, we, we hear a warning and we hear of grace and love. We hear a warning in verse 22. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Now what is Paul doing here? He's calling down a solemn curse on anyone who does not love the Lord. Much like he did when he wrote to the churches of Galatia, he called down a, a curse upon the Judaizers, upon those who would preach a different gospel than the one he preached. Now Paul here does not speak of absence of some special degree of love, but of the lack of love for Christ at all. Again, one of the themes of this letter is what? It is love. Love is of central importance for all Christians. And so Paul is saying, let the person who does not love the Lord Jesus, let him be an anathema. Let him be a curse. Let him be eternally condemned. And so do we realize that those who do not love Jesus, those who do not know Christ, those who are unbelievers, this is what is upon them tonight. The eternal curse and wrath of God. Paul has every right to say this as an apostle. We have every right to remind unbelievers of this, that if they do not love Christ, if they do not love the Lord Jesus, then they are accursed by God. And that they are under the wrath of God. And the only thing that awakes them is this eternal condemnation that Paul speaks of. Now, Paul also views anyone's heart that's not aflame with the love for Jesus, that he is a traitor to the cause of Christ. And Paul cannot contemplate such a person calmly. And we understand that no love for the Lord, no love for Christ is is a person that is cursed by God. And so then Paul goes on. He says this, Our Lord, come. He speaks Aramaic, Maranatha. You see what Paul is doing? He's connecting the eternal condemnation, calling down the curse of God upon those who do not love the Lord there in the church of Corinth with the fact that they will understand that clearly at the second coming of Christ. He connects the eternal condemnation of anyone who does not love the Lord with that coming. And he, Paul desired, as all Christians should desire, for the Lord to come soon. This expresses the eager longing felt by the church in those days 
for the speedy return of the Lord Jesus. Now, should that be our expectation as well? Yes. We should expect the speedy return of the Lord Jesus Christ. We should be praying, O Lord, come quickly. Again, if we're not, and if we do not look forward to the coming of Christ, then that means we love this world too much. That means we have an idol, which is this world, the enjoyments of this world, the, the pleasures of this world. As a Christian, our eyes should be set on that eternal city that is ours in Christ, that eternal home that will be ours, not upon this fallen world where there's no peace, where there's no hope. So we should anticipate and look forward to the coming of Jesus. But then Paul speaks of grace. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. Now this is how Paul concludes many of his letters. He reminds the church of the grace of Christ. Now you might ask, why does Paul do this so much? Why does he always remind the church? Not only at the end... But at the beginning many times, right? The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Why can't Paul just stop talking about grace? Because of his conversion. What was, what was Paul like? What was he going to do on the road to Damascus? He was going to persecute Christians. He was going to persecute those who followed the way. He had already stood by the death of Stephen and held the coats of those men who had stoned him to death. And then Jesus came and he interfered in the life of Saul. And he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul was converted. How? By grace. Did Saul deserve it? No. He deserved death. He, had, he was there at the death of Christians. You see, Paul understood grace and he understood the importance of grace. And so this is why he, he never wanted the church to forget of the grace of the Lord Jesus. You see, without grace, we are not God's children. Now again, we live in a part of the world where many people are trying to earn their way to heaven. And some actually believe that some have earned their way by doing super works in the Catholic Church. Again, the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church, they, they have their own gospel. Just as every other religion that does not understand the grace of God in Christ, they, they, they are false and, and they, they, they need, they, people need to turn away from them. And so we need to understand grace. What is grace? It is God's, God's favor to sinners. God's unmerited favor to sinners. And Paul never wants the church to forget this. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. And then finally he ends this letter with love. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Paul closes this, closes this letter on a tender note. He sends his love to them. And this is an ending he only has here. 
Again, isn't that interesting? Paul has been very hard on the church, but despite all of that, there is not the slightest doubt that Paul regarded the Corinthians with tender affection. And he sends his love to all the members of the church. And we know this, Paul had opponents in the church, did he not? There were some whom he had to rebuke sharply in this letter, but Paul bears them no Malice. He sends his love to all of them, a love in Christ. Now, why is that? Because of the fact that he is writing to the church. Does Jesus love the church? Yes. Paul tells us elsewhere that it is for the church that Jesus died. So everyone who makes up the church, Paul sends his love to them. Even those who may prefer Apollos over Paul or prefer Peter over Paul. Paul says, my love is with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. And so what application can we make here this evening? Well, first we see the love that Paul has the church at Corinth, even though he had to say hard things to them. And this must happen in the church today. There are times where pastors and elders, they have to say hard things to the church. Now why is that? Is it because they, they hate the church? No, not at all. It's because of our love for the church. It is because of our love for each family and individual in the church. Just as Paul saw the church of Corinth going astray, so when a pastor or elder see the congregation going astray, we must sometimes rebuke the congregation. Is it pleasant? No. Do we enjoy it? No. But it must be done. This we have found Paul doing. Any sin, any false teaching, any false worship or idolatry, even by one individual will affect the whole church of God if it is not confronted. And this is what we call tough love, like a godly earthly father will give us that tough love. If he sees his children going down a sinful path. Church, when you are rebuked from the pulpit, do understand that it comes from a heart of love. It comes from a heart that wants to see everyone in this congregation one day being called to their eternal home in heaven. The second we see in the holy kiss and all the greetings from all the other brothers and sisters from the other churches, we see the communion of the saints. And we might ask, well, what do we have in common with the church in Albania as pastored by a fellow that is kind of strange? I know him personally. This is what we have in common. 
We have a common bond that we are all believers in Christ. Our confession reminds us of that communion of the saints in chapter 26 and paragraph 2. It says, saints by profession are bound to maintain and holy fellowship and communion in the worship of God and performing such other spiritual services as tend to their mutual edification. As also in relieving each other in outward things according to their several abilities and necessities, while com- which communion as God offereth opportunity is to be extended unto all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus. What do we learn from that? We learn first of all that by profession we are to maintain a holy fellowship and communion in the worship of God. And we are here tonight worshiping God and and we have that communion together as we worship our God. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And we come together tonight and have that communion and fellowship, both which are holy, as we worship the one true God. But we are also to do other things that lend to our mutual edification. We are to relieve each other in outward things as God gives us the ability. And we are to do this to all true believers and all true churches of Christ wherever and however God may give us that opportunity. You know, we have opportunity now not only to give to the diaconate fund after communion, but we also give to our missionaries a little extra once a quarter after communion and the evangelists of of Vanguard Presbytery. And we do that because we have communion with one another as we have communion with Jesus. And then finally tonight, Paul reminds us as he did the church at Corinth that we are the church not because we are great people but solely based on the grace of God. Do you not find it amazing that with all of the problems at Corinth, that Paul still viewed them as a true church? He still viewed them as his brothers and sisters in the Lord. Sometimes we are too quick to write off other churches, but yet we know that there are times where some churches do become synagogues of Satan. But with all their problems, Paul viewed that church as a true church of Jesus Christ. Now, how could that be? Well, because of the grace of God. It is that same grace that has brought us into the church. Of the Lord Jesus. It is that same grace that has saved us. The same grace that we spoke of this morning. Given to sinners. Again David was different from Saul. Because David would rely upon the Lord his God. And he knew that God had given him the victory. Because of his grace. He had given him the spoil because of his grace. Not because he deserved it. And Christian you will. Enjoy the the riches of heaven 
You will enjoy the new heavens and the new earth, not because you deserve it, but because of the grace of the Lord Jesus. And so as believers in Christ, we should thank God tonight for His grace. We should thank Him every day. Lord, I I thank You that You saved me. That You brought me again from death to life, from darkness to life. You did not have to do that. You did not have to, to save me, to make You complete. You were quite complete without me. But thank You. Thank you for the grace that you have shown me. And so do you know of that grace here this evening? Again, hear the warning of Paul. If you have no love for the Lord, you are accursed. If you do not love the Lord Jesus Christ tonight in sincerity and truth, you are accursed. It means you do not truly believe the gospel. And the only thing that awaits you is the eternal condemnation of this holy and just and righteous God. But the good news is this, this holy and justice, uh, just and righteous God is also the God of grace and mercy. You see, when a person goes to hell, he deserves it. When a person goes to heaven, he doesn't. And so the only reason we go to heaven is for this fact that Jesus paid our penalty. And He paid it in full. So let me ask you, has Jesus paid the penalty for your sin? Have you come to Him in faith, repenting of your sins? If not, do it tonight. Because if you do not come to Christ in this life, and you refuse all the times you hear the call of God to you to come to His Son, There is no excuse. And you will not be able to give a defense at the last day. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Come to Christ while you still have breath. Come to Him and fall at His feet. And say, Lord Jesus, save me a sinner. If you do that in faith as you turn from your sin. And the Lord Jesus will save you. Not because you deserve it. But because of His grace. May God add His blessing to the reading, hearing, and preaching of His Word. Let's pray. Oh Lord our God, we thank You tonight. That even though churches have many problems. That You correct us. No, Lord, we have seen that with the church of Corinth. We ask tonight that you would correct our problems. No, Lord God, we pray and thank you for grace. The grace that you give to us through Jesus. And I pray, Father, if there are any here this evening that know not the Lord Jesus, that you would be gracious to them. That you would save them. That you would redeem them by the blood of your Son. Not because they deserve to be saved. None of us deserve it. It's solely because of your grace and love. For those whom you chose. From before the foundation of the world. 
Lord God, do a work in us here this evening. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.